welcome to my coaching podcast, Dancing in the Moment, where I chat to people from the world of coaching and psychology about their story, their approach, and their insights about the coaching profession. They're all people I like, respect and admire for the way they show up in the world. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to my Dancing in the Moment podcast. This week with Gary Cole, who's founder and director of Archipelago. Um, I'm delighted to have Gary here because this week and in future weeks, I'm focusing on people who have built impressive coaching businesses in my eyes. And, and the reason that I'm focusing on this is because I work with coaches all the time. I work with new coaches. I train coaches. And I hear the same questions. How do we really start a coaching business? How do we sell ourselves when we haven't sold before? Or even if we've sold before, we haven't sold ourselves before. Do I need a niche? How do I get credibility in a world where I haven't been a coach before? And I'm really keen to help people understand how others have done it. And I um, particularly chose Gary because I taught Gary back in 2012. He came on our postgraduate certificate ICF accredited coach training program. And um, I remember him. I remembered him from the first day because of his determination actually to build a coaching business. I think, I think when Gary came on the program, he He'd already left his previous role. And he was just certain that he was going to do it. And I have seen that in Gary for the last eight years. I've seen a tremendous enthusiasm, a belief, not only in his own abilities, but in coaching and what it can do for individuals, teams, organisations. I've seen creativity, drive, inventiveness. And importantly, I've seen a commitment to um, developing himself and members of his team. And I'm, I'm impressed with what Gary has done. He's built a really great business. And I know that he's here today willing to um, share his top tips and stories with you if you're embarking on becoming a coach. So listen hard because I think he's got loads of great stories to tell. Gary, huge, big warm welcome to you today. Yeah, well, thank you so much for inviting me. I, uh, I'm very humbled given the uh, amazing people that you have already interviewed. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. <laughs> a real pleasure. You are also an amazing person. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start by, first of all, telling us about actually Archipelago, what you do, and how, how did we get here? You know, how did you go from coming on the course, having given up your job, to having this great company that you have? Yeah, cool. Let's start. So, I, I, well, just, just quickly, uh, in, in brief, uh, Archipelago Coaching, um, right now we are 
firmly positioning positioning ourselves as a as a consultancy um and we are a team so we we we, we say to uh, corporations that we will coach their entire company so we're much more about trying to change and consult how they can improve their operational culture to become a performance culture um, so we're a team coaching proposition really um, and within which we do executive coaching but more or less they are tied to team coaching projects so we're and that has taken a it's been a journey an eight-year journey uh, as you know to get here and lots of learnings and twists and turns along the way and we're still on that journey but i think uh with more confident than ever that right now we're on a that we are a consultancy um and we believe that's the future um can we can we just stop here and i can can i ask a question um did you set out um, thinking that you would be focused on team coaching or did you set out doing something different? <laughs> I, feel like you, I feel like you set out doing something different. Well, yeah, I, I God, no, I did not set out to do this. <laughs> it, 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 and, and actually, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really, uh, what we have created and what we now deliver for clients is vastly beyond the, uh, imagination and expectation I, I hoped to achieve back in June 2012 when I set it up and I I'd spent all of my career really in the media industry in advertising industry um, and I'd worked um, I was a kind of young youngish hotshot leader I'd worked at the Telegraph uh, I'd worked at the ITV and also O2 and mainly sales director commercial director roles, which means you're in charge of entire divisions. And um, I was good at it, you know, really good at it. And I was always naturally, uh, probably the, the thing I look back, I was probably naturally, I had a natural talent to really bring people on and develop people, even people with perhaps unorthodox talent and that kind of thing. And I loved it, but uh, I think the, what actually happened to me, and I, and I really don't mind sharing this is that, kind of what what got me into that line of work uh where you where i ended up was i was earning a huge corporate salary um on paper it was a dream job for me really but in, in fact it was my hell job because i think you end up at a certain level just really staring at spreadsheets analyzing profit levels and far removed from the thing that really got me there in the first place which was people um and i had the opportunity to take voluntary redundancy from o2 in March 2012 and I was commuting I, I, I had uh, lived in London at, uh, for, for a long time but I'd had moved uh, out to Brighton to um, uh, to marry my wife and I was so I was commuting and I was actually really miserable uh, I was miserable with a commute I was very miserable with my work day uh, my weekly work and I was I had to have a big life conversation with my wife around let at what point do we sacrifice our happiness and contentment together versus earning all this corporate salary? And I think I was so miserable that it, I was so driven and so compelled to leave that existence that I, I, I just left with, um, uh, people sometimes describe me as brave, but I often say to them, I think it would have been braver to be one of those gray, miserable commuters on the, on the train uh, going off, going forward. So uh, I took a look and went for it. Yeah. So what, what, 
led you to training as a coach then had you had coaching did you know about it at that point yeah luckily i had i had had been um a coachy twice to very good coaches and that really was the catalyst um and i uh, i think when you are a corporate leader you get well drilled into how to budget plan and strategize and i and i I, I did all that for my own business in June 2012 and I started barefoot in September 2012 and I realized quite quickly I had to rip up all those uh, silly budget plans and strategizing that <laughs> I'd learned in the corporate world and and I redid it redid it all and I um, I think I got very lucky uh, in during the barefoot process that I was offered a job uh, I, my first uh, team coaching job really uh, at the NHS in Brighton for the uh, mental health uh, division of the Brighton Hospital uh, to coach team coach I, I say team coach it was kind of training really uh, with the board and the executive team um, to be better salespeople unbelievably because they had to fundamentally deal with the GP community fundamentally differently so I consult I trained them uh, for, for a very short training job and uh, they liked it so much they invited me to stay on as an interim consultant work working on with their executive team and I think that interim uh, bridge was I look back and I think I I think it was hugely hugely helpful financially as well it gave me breathing space to uh, survive financially but also to then develop our capello alongside that learning journey and I, I and I'm I think that 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 I think provided me with a great foundation and I, I would probably give that as a tip to anybody that to really think quite hard about not having a, a binary leap of faith but to sort of have a much more transitional sort of leap really and I had done some associate work at that time as well and I think that inspired me to also set up my own business to go it alone because I felt like I could do it better. Um, thank you, Gary. I totally agree with that. I tell people, you know, to gradually, gradually let go of days of paid work until you know you can afford it. But I want to just go backwards to your kind of throwaway line that I got lucky while I was on the barefoot course and got offered this NHS role. Tell me about getting lucky. What what did you do to get lucky? Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Uh, you caught me out there. Well done. I, I, okay, pro probably I, I should say I don't. I'm going to be really pragmatic here, and I don't believe in fate and don't believe in luck. I think I think you make your own fate and you make your own luck. And it was uh, I got introduced to the CEO from a, a good contact of mine. Um, but that I, I, but I think what in order to get in that position to get introduced to a CEO, you have to have years of trust and credibility with a with a your contacts in your network in order to earn the right to be given that introduction to the CEO. And even then, when you get introduced to the CEO, you still have to uh, impart a high degree of trust and credibility to that person in order for them to go ahead with you. So there is, I suppose, there was no luck involved. Um, so thank you for calling me out. Yeah. <laughs> realize that but i think that's really uh, another interesting tip to really ma maintain your network work your network in an authentic way yeah and um i'm guessing if you got introduced to the ceo of the nhs trust by a, a contact of yours 
and you had been talking to the contact of yours about your new venture into coaching. So that's the other thing as well. Yes. I always notice that people who uh, build successful businesses or build them more quickly than others, go everywhere and talk about coaching to, with enthusiasm to everyone around them. Yes. And coach wherever possible too. Give yeah. people experience of it. Yeah. And, and I'll build on your point. It's, it's going one stage further than that and actually being quite structured and focused and disciplined and at being at asking people for help to be introduced to people. That's such an obvious thing that people don't do. They sort of leave it dangling a little bit. And it's just, there's no shame in saying to a good contact, do you know anybody that you would recommend me to? Could you, could you recommend three people? If you ask 10 people for three recommendations, that's 30 leads, for example. And, uh, you know, I think it's probably the greatest source of rich quality leads to follow up on, really, rather than chasing down cold leads from somewhere like LinkedIn, for example. So. Uh, I really remember you once did a video for us about <clears throat> that very point, about setting yourself a target every week. Yeah. Contact a certain number of people. And I remember you did the sums about if, you know, a 10% of them came through at the end of the year, you would have a really good client base. And I, I thought that was amazing, but I'm still interested in what you think stops people from doing it? Oh, it's a big question. Um, I think, I, I, I do believe that self, come out of sales for a moment, but I do believe, I do believe that self-belief is a, is a, is an earned thing. It's like, it's something that you just, that you grow and grow and grow and, and uh, really evidence is the killer ingredient for that growth um, to dispel your ego fear, but also to sell to future clients. So evidence, evidence, evidence is, I think the number one thing really. And, uh, but so, but in order to achieve that evidence, you sometimes need to really push yourself out of your comfort zone. Um, and, and without that, you can't achieve that, those whole series of mini stepping stones, really. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. I, I mentioned in the introduction, but this uh, is a, a recurring theme. People come on our coach training program, as, as you did, uh, experienced professionals, people who've had senior leadership roles, have had you know, professional roles, all sorts of wonderful careers behind them. Mm -hmm. They go through the coach training program and they really struggle to believe that they are now a coach. Yeah. They go, who's going to want me? I haven't done this before. And I really try to encourage them to just not see themselves as absolute beginners, but see the um, coach training that they've done as being a, a, a refinement and a addition to all that they've done before to create a continued connection through their career um but it's yeah. a struggle and i i think you did it successfully if i look at people who i know i think you are someone who did that you brought with you what you've done before you adapted it a bit with some coach training and i don't remember seeing you feeling or acting like an imposter 
Um, <clears throat> well, I wore the mask really well in that case then, uh, because I certainly felt it <laughs> but, uh, for, 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 for a while, actually. But, but to your point about, my point about self-belief and your point about transition, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not standing at a start. It's not a standing start when you qualify as a coach that you have this lovely legacy and everybody has their own valid story to underpin that. And that, that is evidence. You, everybody has evidence, real bona fide, valid evidence that you can tune into rely on. And in my, my, my case, because I had worked in professional sales and management, guess what? I created a workshop around professional selling, which I called high performing commercial behaviors. And I developed a, uh, a leadership and management course, which is still our bestseller actually called managing and inspiring peak performance. Both of those things were just continuums of my career. Uh, and, um, so on the face of it, you think, well, why, why would Gary suffer from imposter syndrome and fear in doing that? And, and I think it comes from the fact that I've had this, I think I know other coaches and colleagues that have had this where if you, let's say I was say a, a sales director, you know, one, one month I'm going into sell to my clients selling, um, you know, very valuable, high value advertising campaigns. And then the next month I'm going in and selling uh, a coaching solution and people say, well, hold on a minute. You, you can't be, you can't be a hotshot coach all of a sudden. How did that, how does that work? And that, that little, that initial, if you think of the game of building your own business as a game of snakes and ladders, a bit like a child's game of snakes and ladders, that first row or the first few rows are by far the hardest ones to just leap out, leap out of. And it is self doubt inducing it is ego fear inducing and imposter syndrome inducing it's all of those horrible things but you have to just do it anyway you have you know you have to just do it anyway fight through and then gain new evidence to then build build on and then sell to a new client and that's when you get you onto row three of the ladder and then you're off but that first few rows uh, of the transition at some point you just have to take that big leap off the diving board and go for it and be quite courageous about overcoming those fears and just realize it is just fear and i had it i remember being ice cold with anxiety selling to very good contacts of mine i found it harder selling to contacts of mine that i knew very well versus people i didn't know at all which is because I felt like they were looking at me thinking, who are you to do this? So that really weirdly, uh, that, that happens to me, but you, you, you just have to overcome it. Yeah. You know, um, you just have to, um, and I do believe that um, as coaches, I, I, do, I do find, and this is a huge sweeping statement, and I don't wish to offend anyone, but we've got to get better at self, dialing into our self-awareness a bit, with uh, things like our relationship with selling and growing a business. And quite frankly, if you've got self-awareness and we all know about limiting beliefs and unhelpful thinking, well, we should damn well get better at self-coaching ourselves as well, because um, you know, that's a huge, you know, if we can't do it, then <laughs> what is, you know, it would be harder for somebody to set up a new marketing business or a new window cleaning business if they didn't know about, um, you know, limiting beliefs and unhelpful thinking, for example. So I think we need, we need to do a bit better and go for it a bit more, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I think a couple of things get in the way, and this is uh, what I've learned from listening to people. 
One is that most new coaches love coaching so much they almost feel guilty about charging for it because they feel like they're, they're having a great time. Um, secondly, they often think, well, I didn't really do anything. You know, they're not cleaning someone's windows. They're not, haven't had to buy ladders. They, and they often say, oh, yeah, well, I, I don't think I really did anything. I just had a conversation in the way that I might have a conversation with my friends. Obviously, neither of those things are true. We know that, but that's the kind of, those are the kind of interferences that stop people being able to sell. And, and as you've been speaking, I remember a very, very early experience of mine. Um, and it was with um, an exec coach who I also uh, trained many, many years ago. And having been on the program that I was teaching, said to me that he wanted to come and learn some more with me one-to-one. -one. And we spent quite a few days together with me teaching him additional skills. And at the end of it, he said, um, so how much do I owe you? And I said, oh, nothing. You know, I've had a great time and I've learned from you and it's been a privilege and you've taken me out for dinner. And, and he said, no, how much do I owe you? Oh, and I said, so I'm going to sit here until you tell me. And I squirmed and squirmed. And in the end, I said some tiny little amount. And I remember he gave me lots of money. He got actual real money out of his pocket and gave me money and said, you, you have no idea what this has been worth to me. Um, he said, just for a moment, put yourself in my shoes and imagine yeah. what got from being with you and that was a really huge lesson to me he said i would have paid you 10 times what you quoted yeah that's really well that's great because um it, uh, okay so this is a little bit harsh but so i'm going to pick you up on something you said a moment ago about people i think what was in common about your two examples of people either enjoying coaching and not charging or not feeling like they put enough value quite frankly i think that's a little bit self-indulgent it's a little bit like me 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 i i i and you need to think, help, think of a metaphor of a bicycle, right? With a front wheel and a back wheel. And this is where, if you've got a Venn diagram of professional coaching and professional selling, they come together in the sweet spot in the middle. The metaphor of a bicycle works for both, okay? The back wheel is all about me. How, you know, me, 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 you know, like how many, how many books I've read, how many qualifications I've got, how many points I've got. You know, harsh as it sounds, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Why should they care about you? And yet yeah. we, we get so wrapped up in me, me, me. And yeah. what we should be doing is not, not disrespecting that back wheel information, but we need to convert it into a front wheel, which is what does all of that mean to the client, to the person that might be spending the money? And that's an example is excellent because he was great and gracious at saying to you, this is worth, it has been of value to me. But, um, we need to get better at sort of living in the shoes of a potential client or, or an existing one is saying, what is this actually really worth to them? What are all these books I've read, all the evidence I've now collected? And, uh, you know, if you're going to change their career, change their business, change their team, change the bottom line, that's, that's the value that they're buying. And quite frankly, you should be charging a lot of money for that. Um, and, and so come out of you, the you uh, and get into the shoes of another person. And as coaches, we should know how to do that, I think. <laughs> yeah, 
Perfect. Absolutely great challenge and great advice. Yeah, thank you, Gary. So have we finished talking about your story? Um we, you know what we're like when we start talking don't <laughs> we? We had a plan for this and I don't know if we're following it now. Uh, well I would just I would just quickly like to say to people, I was often I have had this said to me, I was like, oh well it's okay for you because you you know you worked in professional sales all of your career. Well that's true, and I'm going to tell a really funny story now that when I was about seven in the school holidays, I got grounded by my parents for being a naughty boy, right? And um, I, I, was, I was told to stay in for two weeks because I was a naughty boy. And um, in that two weeks, I um, got all of my lo um, friends in the village to donate me things. I remember I got some Jackie magazines from a local neighbor, a girl, um, uh, and I um, created a shop in my shed. All right, and uh, I was selling the the gifts back to people that had given them to me. And my we had a feral cat at the time, and uh, uh, the uh, the cat uh, had a uh, had a, we had a dead mole in a bucket, and I sold a dead mole in a bucket to one of my neighbours' daughters who had given me a Jackie magazine. And the parent knocked on the door, and uh, you know said, "I want my money back because your son's selling a dead mole." Now, so I have had sales in my sort of DNA for some time, even though I do know that's a life script I've sort of taught myself. But I'm telling you that funny story because there will be lots of people that might listen to this and think, well, I'm not a seller. I'm not a salesperson. And they might associate selling and sales with sort of like estate agents and, and recruitment kind of consultants. And I want to say to people, I've had to work very, very hard at becoming a coach. I've had to learn, work very, very hard at listening and not talking. I've had to become incredibly versatile when I coach people. I've had some really dark personal coaching things present to me with parent bereavements, child bereavements, um, it, this disability and accidents. I've had all those things to deal with. And that's not an entrepreneurial mindset that helps you in those situations. It's, it's more of a kind of deeply you know kind of an empathetic kind of person has to deal so I've had to learn to become a coach and so I would say to everyone you just need to learn how to become a salesperson quite frankly it, it you know just do, do you sort of mean I, I think so so just because I haven't had it easy and people can learn you, you know your career and your livelihood kind of depends on it so you have to kind of dial into it and dial it up you make that point so well thank you I completely relate to you. In fact, I, I am sure if we trace our connections, we are related because I also um, did two things when I was a little kid, when I was about seven, uh, that I got in trouble for. I started, I wrote a, a comic. I started a comic that I drew and um, I sold it door to door in my street. And I also started a museum in my dad's garage, which had things like, it had a, like a little rodent skull and I charged entry to the museum. And actually all the parents of the kids in the street came and knocked on my mum and dad's door and complained. <laughs> was, so you're, 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 you're a closet Richard Branson too then, are you? Oh, I'm yeah. just like a bit like you, just trying to 
make money, make have ideas, mm. have a good time actually. Yeah. yeah. But, but 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 we both I mean, we both. But learn to become a coach they're different things they're different it's a different mindset attitude skill and but, but, but i've had to work hard on it and i'm sure you you know yeah. um so so i, I it, it it's something you can get good at everybody can but nobody falls up a mountain you need to work at it like anything you just need to work yeah. at it work at it work at it yeah you make that point so well thank you um so what else what else i'm also thinking about niching um, <clears throat> Another question that people ask me a lot, do I need a niche? I have an answer that I tend to give to that, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on niching. <sighs> yeah, it's, um, well, well, first of all, I think, uh, just quickly, I think Archipelago in eight years, we, I wouldn't say we've changed our niche, but we, we made probably at least 30 adjustment, minor adjustments to our story. So I would say just because you start out with something doesn't mean you have to end up there. And where our, my business might be in two years, five years might be different to where it is today. So I don't, wherever you start from, you don't have to, it's not the end of your journey, right? So go for it and pilot it and learn from it is one point. But I think it goes back to, it's about like living in the client's shoes, first of all, that like we have to start there, right? So trust and credibility nobody in the history of selling has ever purchased from anybody that if they don't find anybody trustworthy and credible okay so this is why evidence is so important and I, and i think that it is competitive coaching is competitive so why should they buy from you why should they buy from another person and i do i do have a, a view um that uh if you want to be a um, earn some nice income being a one-to-one -one coach then it's okay to call yourself Gary Cole coaching services okay um, I think you can probably do do well out of that if you want to start selling to corporations or or, or, or probably aim for bigger ticket kind of things I think it is vital you have a, a company and that company has to have a story which adds into the, that trust and credibility kind of win um uh so i archipelo is from the latin archi like architect to build and pelo is strands so it, it literally means growing your people building your business okay uh happened just so happens that the main name was available as well in 2012 but um but i would say calling yourself aardvark coaching or gary cole coaching it, it i think you are putting yourself at a big risk that you are you won't be seen as credit you know so it almost the niche thing i think it's not so much about a niche but it's more about having a strong story that you have a promise that you can deliver value to a client you have evidence to back it up uh, and you have a nice story to tell either about but i think um being a one woman or a one man band i think you are probably putting yourself at a, um, a disadvantage so i think that's one point i would say so um, but I do think I do think a niche is a great place to start. It may not be where you end, but I do think if you you could have I don't know, I'm just hypothesising. You might have been a midwife. You might have been a you might have been um and you know uh, you know a kind of you might have been a, you might have been an admin assistant. Well, make that your angle to kick off with because then your previous life, as in that continuum point that you've already made, it gives you a, a peg on the mountain to work from. But I, 
but don't be afraid to change it. Yeah, great. That's kind of more or less what I say, but you said it better. <laughs> Can I also ask you about uh, associates? Because you and I are focused today on training as a coach and then establishing, growing a coaching business. I know a number of people decide right up front, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I, I, I don't want the hassle of running a business, employing people, all that goes with it. I want to find work as an associate with a larger coaching companies so that um, I, you know, they find the work, I deliver it. Um, I know you uh, have an associate model, do you? Or I'm not. Yes, yes, uh, we do, but we, we do it quite differently, actually, yeah. uh, which, but I'll, I'll answer in two ways, if you don't mind, but just, just, to, just to say that the, the streets are not paved with gold just because you are an associate. All of the things we've already discussed, like selling yourself in the front wheel, not the back wheel, uh, all those kind of things, it, you still have to, it's still a very competitive thing. So why should a company employ you? You still have to sell yourself. You still have to be, and you still have to be slightly better than another associate that they, that they could work with because they clearly want the best people. So the notion that, um, and I also think as well, it's riddled with, potentially riddled with um, flaws as well, where you might end up with no work for a long period of time. And it's a bit like boom and bust. And I, I found that. And I think you, I, I do think that it, it's quite helpful to think about you know, you might be the primary earner in the family, you might, you might be the, the secondary one, but I think it's good to be super clear of what is the amount of money that you need to earn, that you would like to earn, and that you would love to earn, like those three stages. And, and, and I do think, I think the, yeah, I mean, the associate route, um, I, I mean, look, it's, it's probably, you could argue it's quicker maybe in the short term but i'm not i do think that trading your own business and selling it might be harder in the very short term but i think over a longer period of time if you stick at it you might end up with more of that i would love to earn level of income that's just my own view um and again if you if you try that out and it doesn't work well then you know you can always go and be a, an associate somewhere but i think you might find that you would develop a huge amount more expertise by going it alone um i think but that's mm. Clearly, I'm slightly biased because it's worked for me. But <laughs> yeah. So, what do you look for in associates? If you if you were taking <laughs> on an associate, what would you be looking for in somebody? Um, well, we're very choosy. Um, I think that so first of all, okay, let me just backtrack a bit. I I'm not really a fan of that term, associate. I I don't want to work. So, an associate, somebody that. What used to happen is the company sells to a client and then you give the work to an associate to deliver that, okay? I have found, and again, sorry to keep repeating myself, but if we live in the shoes of a client first, I have found that they, I, I and this took some years to learn this, it, lots of small learnings, by the way, it wasn't, um, I, I'm, but I'm more conviction than ever that clients like to deal with uh, almost like a super associate, shall we say, like a key account, like somebody that can be, um, quite frankly, wear several hats. So like this, 
the caring consultative salesperson at the beginning, then a project manager, and then the executor deliverer of, of a workshop or the thing, and then, and then a consultant at the end. And if I have found that a lot of, uh, in your winter conference t two years ago, I think there was a lot of talk about the future of coaching, wasn't there? And there was yeah. this, I think somebody mentioned about master coaching and the, the rise of the master coachee that know, read all the books and knows all the answers. Well, I think there's a master client thing going on where they, they know that the associate model's a bit freelancey and this kind of thing. And I, I think they, personally, I feel like they, what they want is somebody that's capable of owning and running an entire process for them and gaining that data and intimacy throughout the process so that when at the various times you can be brave enough and say, I'm going to be your trusted advisor right now and I'm going to hold your hand and I'm going to tell you something that you don't want to hear, but it's going to change your business. I think that's very hard for a freelance associate to do that if they're just doing one off spots and interventions, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So I don't like the term associate. We just so what we look for in summary is somebody that can quite frankly go and win their own business with our support. Um, and, but own the whole process A to Z uh, with a lot of support as well. But you have to wear those many hats and, um, and be good at it. Yeah, that's real food for thought, Gary. Real food for thought. Thank you. I love, as I said right at the beginning, you know, your ability to innovate and think creatively and think differently about existing models and thought processes is what really sets you apart for me. Every time I spend time with you, I'm challenged in my thinking to um, throw away old ideas and embrace new ones. I really, really understand your success. Oh, thank you. I, <clears throat> we have to stop with regret. We have to stop here because um, otherwise I think the podcast would go on for hours. But I'd love to do it again and perhaps talk further if you would be willing to. Yeah, it, yeah, I'd love to. Is there an opportunity just to add a final thing to? Of course to... there is, yeah. I, 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 I do think that probably I should have said this much, much earlier, which is that um, I, I guess this kind of childlike curiosity with new things that you can learn, but with the bravery to try it out is, is, is the secret source. Okay. And I, I see a lot in the coaching community that there is a sort of um, a poor focus on this academic armor of reading all the books and reading all the research and, and doing nothing with it. And I think uh, probably the, I'm not like that. I, I do read a lot of books, but I devour them. And, and I think, right, how can I convert that into a coaching exercise? How can I align that with my existing knowledge? How can I innovate really progressively for a client with this new book I've just read? And, and I, and I just feel like that has, that attitude has been the single underlying reason why my company is so successful. I'm willing to be very curious and learn a lot, but I'm very courageous at trying out new things. And I'd have 
managed to have um, lower my fear of of worrying whether it works or not and i i think it's given me this kind of um coaching ability but also a kind of uh client management ability to go for it and say say the provocative thing because i'm curious and i'm willing to do it and i think that there's a there's a huge sweet spot with this attitude whether you're creating a business running a business or growing a business if you don't have that attitude i i don't well I, well let me flip it up another way i i i think that on reflection i think that's what's made our business a big success and i just would like to probably just share that at the end thank you i would agree with you about you and your business i would we've talked before i think we're alike in that way i think it's that's the success of my business too that ability to give our information synthesize it and uh, and re Gurgitate it—not <laughs> a very nice word, but in a different in a different format. Get out quickly and and try it. And uh, as you speak about that, I'm wondering if that is something that can be taught. And I'm sure it could be. And I'm thinking that would be a really nice, challenging workshop, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. And no, I think um, just real final one. But there's a famous professional sales book called The Challenger Sale. And it's by Brent Adamson, 2011, right? Um, I, I just think if you believe that professional selling and professional coaching are in, in actually the same, the whole point of the Challenger Sale book is to say the Challenger Sales person is somebody that really pushes the client, uh, gives them the kind of quality of sales advice that they would be happy to pay for. Um, and, and naturally, they're a challenger, okay? I think that... Uh, challenger coach if we just swap out the word sale for challenger coach i think personally i i think that's where the game is at right now is somebody that's willing to push 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 provoke 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 and be willing to say the uncomfortable thing in pursuit of helping a coachee or an entire company change and improve and uh so i think uh, i would recommend people read that book because um the challenger sales person and is the same as the challenger coach Thank you. Great recommendation, the challenger sale. And you embody all of that, the challenger coach. Um, you've, you've really, really provided huge value for me and I hope for everyone who listens to this. So thank you, Gary Cole. <laughs> Pleasure. Thank you very, very much for having me on today. Thanks, Kim. <laughs>